Good evening again. So glad that you're here tonight. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, and only 3 tonight, so if you want to turn there. Um, let's pray. I know I just prayed twice, but I'm going to do it anyway, so can't stop me. Okay. Lord Jesus, just what we prayed, Lord. Um, we didn't come here for nothing tonight, Lord. Um, we came to read your word and to learn from you, Father. So to that end, I just pray that you would speak to us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Um, that's the only reason that there's ever change in our lives, Lord, is if um, your word penetrates our hearts and your Holy Spirit um, is there to make a stick, Lord. And so uh, we just pray it's good soil that this falls on tonight, Lord, and that exactly what you want to say to your children tonight is uh, very uh, clearly spoken, Lord. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So last week, Moses comes on the scene, right? Finally, 400 and something years after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, 430 years exactly. And um, I want to, if you want to turn back in Genesis 15, um, if you remember the story, you know what? I hate calling Bible things stories because it makes them seem like stories and characters, like they're made up, written, you know, like, and they're not. You know, whenever I see um, these things in my mind as you read them and everything, you know, you really picture Moses and really the burning bush. And um, I particularly believe that it's 100% true and it 100% happened just like it's written. So, um, but anyway, in chapter 15 of Genesis, um, it's where Abraham, the Lord brings a um, deep sleep over him. And um, let's see here. I wanted to read. Um, yeah, that. Uh, just, let's just start in uh, chapter 17. So all this happens in, or sorry, verse 17 um, of chapter 15. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that Behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. So he put out the, um, the birds and everything, cut them in half. Um, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, uh, Perizzites sorry, uh, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites. Um, the whole point of this, and just like everything God does, there's so much more than what's on the surface of it. Now, the surface is the Messiah. That's what this is all about. That's what Genesis is all about. That's what Exodus is all about. It's about Jesus, and that's it. But, um, you know, he says in here that, um, that they're going to leave for 430 years and come back because the um, basically, the sins of the people there aren't complete. That he's waiting, you know, the God of the Old Testament that just marches in, well, 430 years later and destroys everybody in the promised land so that the children um, of Israel can have it. Um, you know, and then in chapter 46, he says the same thing to um, Jacob, Israel, um, in verse 3. So he said, I'm the God, the God of your father, do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. And, um, and that they're going to come back. Um, Joseph won't leave his bones there. Um, they bury Jacob back, but they bury Joseph. And 
um, Egypt there. So the big thing that is coming about here is that God's promises are being um, coming to pass. So, um, and that's kind of the big thing that I want to focus on. So that's the uh, um, introduction here. So chapter one, or sorry, verse one of chapter three. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. I'm assuming he doesn't know exactly who he's talking to yet. Um, Here I am. Then he said, uh, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Um, He sees this burning bush and says, well, I wonder what's going on here. It's interesting that Moses doesn't seem to be the same guy that he was last week. He killed an Egyptian, right? He saw that this person, and J.D. kept harping on, you know, wherever he saw oppression, he had to um, go and and take care of it. Well, you know, Pharaoh says he's going to kill him, um, and so he flees. Um, And so he's a totally different man now than he was a week ago. It seems at least. This is 40 years later. First 40 years of his life was in Egypt, in Pharaoh's court, basically, um, one of his children. Um, and uh, um, he does this. Pharaoh gets mad. He flees. The next 40 years, he's tending this guy's sheep, um, and he's a, a shepherd here. In seven years, or in 14 years, basically, Jacob, when he was waiting on Rachel, um, he had this huge flock and um, all of this wealth and everything. And Moses has not uh, come up with the same plan here to make all this money and everything. He seems like he's a bit of a defeated man. So what's a good thing for a defeated man? Encounter God, of course. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I, I kind of put that in opposition to someone like Samson, where he was the alpha male guy, you know? And um, whose heart would God want? David had a heart after God. He became the alpha male guy, and he was a strong warrior, but he was um, a humble man before God. Samson was not at all. I guess the whole point is it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what the person is, um, who they are, how much strength they have, how much strength they don't have. God uses Samson, even in the end of his life, Um, But the whole point is that they're doing what God has asked them to do, and they walk in exactly what the Lord has laid out for them to do. So the other thing, the first thing that I came up with whenever I searched the burning bush um, on Google was that it wasn't really a burning bush. Mount Sinai is red, um, and, and so, of course, it wasn't really a burning bush. You know... And we talk about this all the time, too. Why is that an issue? And I believe it was a burning bush and that um, it didn't 
you know, wasn't consumed and that the Lord was in it. Um, you know, people try to explain away miracles in the Bible. Um, going to have a really tough time as we come up on all the things that the Lord does. You know, we talked about um, people don't believe it was the, actually the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea that they could have just walked through. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, people have such a tough time with God's miracles. Um, the person who made the universe, by the way, and made bushes to burn and when they encountered fire, I believe you can do that and, and not have an issue with making it not burn. Um, but here's the issue with that. Um, and uh, there was a guy that wrote a book, and that's usually how people say things when they're in front of people because you don't want to throw people under the bus. And um, I don't really care. He's terrible. But, um, but his big thing in the book, and by the way, this is like, a, I'm a Packers fan and Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Packers, but this guy is basically the guy that led Aaron Rodgers away from the Lord, which is interesting. Um, but he wrote a book, and his big thing is you can't have a faith that is so, he likened it to um, a brick wall, where when you encounter something that one of the bricks doesn't stand, the whole wall crumbles. And he said that's not good, to have a faith that is so dependent upon all of these things being exactly true um, and he likened it to um, springs that can flex and adjust. Um, well, that's today's gospel, by the way. But um, uh, the issue, though, is that not so much that it's written that it was a burning bush. The bigger issue is that in the New Testament in Acts, Stephen mentions the burning bush. And um, so Stephen, you know, and he's the reason that Paul got saved. We believe that Paul was standing there, um, but Stephen lied to Paul. So now Paul has this wrong gospel, and now Paul is lying to all of the Gentiles. Well, that's not true, of course. Um, and even bigger issues that Jesus mentions the burning bush in Mark 12. Let's turn there really quick. Jesus is like the coolest dude ever, by the way, if you didn't know that. And we know that, and we see him as the Savior and everything. Um, I'm probably a terrible person, but I love it when he puts people in their place. You know? <laughs> I think what would have been more hard for me than being beaten and hung on a cross would be that no one believed me that I was the Messiah. That would have been harder for me than, than all that, but... Um, in uh, Mark 12, um, I'm really hoping I wrote down correct uh, cross-references, by the way. Mark 12, verse 24. So they're talking about the Sadducees come to him, and everyone's trying to test him, and they didn't learn. Nobody ever learns you don't test Jesus. Hopefully we know that. Um, we do it too. But, and the Sadducees come to him who don't believe there's a resurrection, and um, they're saying, you know, if this lady has a husband, and he dies, and then this husband dies, and then this husband dies. They're trying to just say, because we don't know whose husband um, she's going to be, you know, which husband she's going to have in heaven, that heaven doesn't exist, which is a rock-solid argument, by the way. Um, not at all. But um, that's just dumb, first of all. Um, and then, um, so they're saying, who, whose wife will she be? And in verse 24, Jesus answered and said to them, are you not therefore mistaken, because you do not, do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? 
For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor they are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Okay. But, and they didn't even ask about this. I just think it's awesome. But concerning the dead, knowing that they're Sadducees and they don't believe in the resurrection, that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Boom. Um, so he uses this passage um, to, to prove that there is erection, that God is the God of the living, not the dead. And Abraham and Isaac and Jacob at this point are dead. But they are living, apparently um, they're eternal, that they, you know, life doesn't end when you die. So, and then, you know, um, even one of the things that people have an issue with is the virgin birth, which is, you know, kind of a sticking point for the gospel. Um, Because in Isaiah, it was told that he would be born of a virgin. So if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then that means he's not the Messiah. That's pretty simple, right? Pretty straightforward. So whenever we come to something in the Bible that, um, you know, we can't quite wrap our minds around or can't quite understand, um, you know, I believe it. Um, There's so many implications that come from it when you don't. When you don't say that, or when you say that, eh, maybe she was a virgin, maybe she wasn't, you know. Uh, Maybe the bush was burning, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the Red Sea, I don't know. Um, uh, You start to go down a path that just totally deteriorates and crumbles away because you have absolutely nothing to stand on. So, yeah, if Jesus was not born of a virgin, he's not the Messiah, and we should all just go home um, because we're greatly deceiving ourselves here. So, yeah, it was burning. Um, You know, he talks about the holy ground here as well. Um, When Cash walked in, he walked in and took his shoes off and sat down. And uh, I was like, whoa, hey, that's cool, man. It must be holy here. Um, but uh, you can kind of understand from a few aspects of this that God is obviously holy. Um, anyone that is unholy um, cannot come into contact with him. Moses is also a shepherd. Um, if you come in from the cow lot, you take your shoes off when you come in the house. Um, you don't want to track that all across the floor. So, um, But, um, you know, obviously shepherd is where we get the um, the name pastor. Um, that's why we call people. That's why JD is our, our pastor. He's our shepherd. Um, he's not the true shepherd. We have one true pastor, one true shepherd. But, uh, you know, in Argentina, we always called the, you know, person uh, pastor. They were shepherd, um, which in their mind is just shepherd, you know. So he's learning how to be a shepherd over this time period. So, all right, let's go. Um, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, um, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land, from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Pretty simple, right? Pretty straightforward. Go to um, Egypt, 
go to Pharaoh um, and tell him we're going to, you know, take the people out and then go. Well, that's a little bit um, harder for Moses to do, knowing that Pharaoh wants to kill him. Um, I know it's been 40 years, but um, last he knew, Pharaoh was after his head. So that's a little bit more difficult. Um, He's going to come up with a bunch of excuses even more next week. Um, But uh, God hears the the cry of his people, and that's very, very true. Um, And remember, this has been at least 40 years that they've been crying out, that they've been throwing their babies in the Nile, Um, 430 years that they've been there. Um, And God is not... Um, he's not deaf to the cries of his people. Um, C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, said, there's more history made in the closet than in the cabinet of the ministry. Um, there's more history made in the closet. Of course, he's referencing the prayer closet. There's more history made in prayer than in government and even, you know, someone teaching. Um, there's more history made in the closet uh, these people were crying out to God, and, um, and he heard them. Um, you know, whenever I uh, pray, and I would like to do it more, I need to do it more, but um, I like to, if you've heard the Acts prayer model where adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, um, and of course, only a quarter of that is, is supplication, crying out to God for what you need and uh, what he needs to supply to you. Um, but, um, you know, God, God hears when we have an issue. And not just the nation of Israel. You know, we put them on a very high pedestal, and we should. That they're special. They're uh, the apple of God's eye. And so a lot of times I think that um, God hears Moses' cry. God hears David's cry. And God hears Jesus' cry, you know. Um, but a lot of times I, I probably... I know he hears my cry, um, but I just feel so insignificant most of the time that don't, don't even worry about me. Don't, you know, worry about other people. Um, obviously, he's big enough that he hears each individual person and when they cry out. And um, the other side of that is, though, that, um, you know, God is the one that gets to act on that, though, not me. So... Moses decided, you know, back in uh, last week that he was going to enact vengeance on the Egyptian. Um, and then the um, two guys are fighting each other, and, and they say, well, are you going to kill us too? So listen through these, and you don't have to turn there, but um, I think it's important to remember um, that God is the one that gets vengeance for our lives, for anyone that's against him. Proverbs 20, 22 says, Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. Proverbs 24, 28, and 29 says, Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. For would you deceive with your lips? Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. Do not say that. Of course, in Romans 12, um, this is a longer one, but Uh, Paul says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. 
Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, this is incredibly important for today. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, um, you might get the uh, idea here as we keep going. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And then from Jesus himself in Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, leave him also your cloak. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, um, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only... What do you do more than others? Do not even the uh, tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So obviously the idea is that um, Moses tried to take out God's wrath on the Egyptians. Um, He got one guy. God's going to drown a whole army in one fell swoop, you know. Um, And they're going to take out all their gold and um, jewelry and everything, which gets him in trouble with Aaron, of all people. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I know. Um, but, uh, obviously, it's not, it's not Moses' place. God's going to call him now to go and do this, but by the power of God. And that grand idea gets brought down to a, a micro level for us, um, who knows? There's a million things. Actually, you know, it says to uh, give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow, do not turn away. I had this guy one time um, uh, when I worked at High V, and I don't know if he was needing pills or something. I don't know, but he came to me and was like, "Dude, can I borrow twenty dollars until um, until payday?" And I was like 19 at the time, and this older guy's coming to me and like. Uh, um, Okay, man. But I told him, I gave him $40 because I told him, hey, man, uh, I just read that Jesus said you're supposed to go the extra mile and, you know, to, to double basically what you're doing and to give to whoever asks of you. 
And he thought I was really weird for telling him that. Um, but I was like, dude, I just read it, so I have to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, God's the one that gets to, um, gets to turn that back around and to take care of it. And he does a much better job than we do anyway, a much better job. So when you encounter things like that, where you would like to just take care of it, you know, and you think I've got a plan where, um, in this case, Moses is probably not going to just march in on his own accord and take Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. But for God, that's obviously nothing. That's nothing to do that. So he comes out into the desert and learns for a while. Let's go on in verse 11. But Moses said to God, um, you know, there's a difference between um, humility and just being like, I don't want to do it, you know? I'm, I'm not your guy. I don't want to do it. Um, I don't really, you know, I'm happy to teach. I'm happy to, to lead worship. I'm happy to run sound here. I'm happy to do anything. But I'm okay with not doing it too, you know? Um, and, and so um, hopefully that's humility. You guys are probably saying no. That's not humility. Um, but, uh, you know, so I don't know. I, I wonder how to take this. Next week, it just gets to be like, yeah, God, I'm not doing it. And he gets mad at him. So anyway, but here, I don't know. Verse 11, um, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent, you, uh, sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, to the land flowing with milk and honey. So um, I'm going to say here at least it's humility, you know, that he's saying, well, I don't know if I can do that. And again, God's answer is always, you can't, but I'll do it, you know. Um, same for anything that we encounter in life, although there are things that we can find, we can do in the flesh. And when we do that, sometimes they even work out, um, but not for very long. Um, and obviously, it's always better when it's done in the spirit, regardless of what it is. Um, your job, your family, your um, everything in your life is always done better when the spirit is directing it, when God's directing it. Um, and so he says, okay, um, you'll do it. Okay, well, who are you? I know you just told me you're the um, God of my fathers. 
Obviously, they still had this religion, basically, um, from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They hadn't lost it. Um, They probably weren't practicing it. They were being driven every day as slaves. Um, Very difficult to practice, you know, the Sabbath when you work every day. Um, But, you know, um, at least Moses knew. And that's interesting, too, because he grew up as an Egyptian in Pharaoh's house. But he knew who Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were, and the God was the God of them, and this is the God, and this is who we're looking for. Um, and he shows up to him, and he says, okay, well, what's your name? You know, that's always a good question to have with somebody that you've had an encounter with, especially when they're telling you to do something. Can I at least get your name, man? Um, which is difficult for God to do for someone, to give them his name. Um, probably your head would just explode, <laughs> If he told you, you know, like, uh, um, so he says, I am who I am. Now, does that mean, that can mean a million things, and you can read a million commentaries, and I'm sure it means all of those, but I am who I am. I am God, you know. We can give each other, you know, ideas of who we are based on each other's characteristics, and we should do that for God too, but when we do that for other people, those can change easily. You know, people's characteristics, well, this is, um, Aaron's a good guy. Well, he used to be. He's not anymore. You don't want to hang out with him anymore. Um, But God, I am that I am. Um, His character never changes. He's the same today, yesterday, yesterday, today, um, forever. Um, So that's his best way to say it. I am who I am. Now, Jesus, being the son of God, being God himself, um, again, you don't have to turn there. We'll just kind of run through these. But in John six thirty five, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He doesn't uh, use a conjunction. Is that the word? No. Um, I am the bread of life. John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. John ten seven, I am the door. John ten eleven, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John fifteen one, I am the true vine. Um, Jesus is equating himself to God, and he is, and we know that. Um, but all of these aren't. I don't think it's um, by mistake that he that he says these seven I am statements this way. That I am, and then in uh, John eight. Starting, we can turn there. John chapter 8 and uh, verse 52. And this is kind of the uh, whole summation of all that. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead in the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. So he said, you know, you keep my word and you'll live forever. Well, Abraham's dead. What are you going to do with that? Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Verse 54, Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say, I do not know God, 
I should be a liar like you. But I do know him and, and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Well, that's cool. Verse 57, then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? We haven't seen Abraham. Abraham's been dead a long time, man. Um, almost 2,000 years since Abraham has been around, and you're saying that, that uh, he saw your day? And then, of course, in verse 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was anything, I was there. I was there at the beginning of the world. John tells us that at the beginning of his gospel. Um, Abraham's nothing compared to Jesus, of course. Um, and so, obviously, God, Jesus has equated himself to God. We don't have to worry or wonder about that either. We don't have to worry about whether the bush was burning or whether Mary was a virgin or whether Jesus was the son of God. It's all clearly laid out there for us. Um, but he, Jesus, he's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the door. Um, you come in and go out through him only. He's the good shepherd. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the true vine. And before Abraham was, he is, which is, um, seems like his speech is about as good as mine. That doesn't make any sense. Before Abraham was, I am. Well, obviously he's saying, you know, you can't put a time frame on God who's outside of time. You can't say that, that he was, that, you know, we do say that. But um, um, from God's perspective, he is. And um, that's pretty cool. So, verse 18, Then they will heed your voice, back in Exodus, of course, um, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. no not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. You shall put them on your sons, on your daughters, and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. So um, God's vengeance is going to happen, and not by um, Moses' hand. He's going to be the person that goes and, and does it. Um, but obviously, it's God. I will stretch out my hand, God says to him, um, with all my wonders. Um, so Moses should know, okay, I mean, let's go. This is, I'm being sent, and God does that. He sends us to, to do his bidding, and that's great, um, to be his hands and feet. To, um, he sends out the disciples to go into all the villages and preach the gospel, and he sends John the Baptist before him to go and prepare the way, and he sends the prophets, and he sends us to go about, in our daily lives, people that we encounter, you have a group of people that no one else has that's specific to you, right? No one else has your exact group of people. 
um, the, the prophets and Moses don't get to minister to your coworkers. Um, they can through the word. Um, but that's exactly what God has laid out for us to do and for us to walk in the good works that he's laid out for us. Two sides of it, God's going to enact his vengeance um, on Egypt, not treating the people like Pharaoh with Joseph had intended to treat them, not treating them right. Um, and then the other side of that, so he's going to wipe out their army, and he's also going to give the Israelites all of their basically back wages, all of their uh, back pay that they haven't been paid for all this time. They're going to take all of this and walk out with it. Um, so um, that's the two aspects of it, the two sides of it, that, that there is a reward for the Israelites, though they've been working all this time and not receiving any wages. And there's the punishment for the Egyptians as well. Um, obviously, there will be an eternal reward and an eternal punishment, um, but that's not based on how they treat the Israelites. That's how they treat Jesus, what, whether they have received Jesus into their lives. Um, every person is responsible for that. Jesus is God. Every person's personally responsible for that. Um, uh, he is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He's the door. He's the good shepherd. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Um, that's all true. And we should know that based on all the promises of God that have come to pass, all of them, or they will, and none of them have not come to pass, everything he says will come to pass. We talked about that with Jehu um, in uh, Second Kings, that he's saying, you know, everything that God, that God says will come to pass. I've seen it all take place exactly like he said it was going to happen. And Moses will too. He'll see it take place exactly like God says it's going to happen. Now, next week, um, he gets a little lippy with God, saying, uh, yeah, I don't know if I can do it or not. Um, so it's basically where we're going to end tonight. Um, but the promises of God will come to pass. And a lot of times we don't think of them on our individual level. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have any ideas what promises God has made to you besides what's laid out in his word and what, um, what he, you know, uh, all the things that are true of all of us. I don't know any specific promises in your life, um, but they will come to pass. I became a Christian when I was a little kid. Um, I think it was like a Sunday night service, and um, I wasn't supposed to be in like the sanctuary with my dad, um, but um, some guy was speaking and you know asked if anyone wanted to believe to receive the Lord, and I, you know, again talking to a bunch of adults, but I knew in that moment that that was exactly what I had to do. Um, and nothing's ever been as clear as that in my life. Um, I don't like to talk about myself very much, so pardon me. But um, it's, it's very interesting, um, some things that have happened. And I always believed that God had something different for me, you know, um, regardless of the way I've acted in my life. Um, but um, a few weeks ago, I was ordained as a pastor here. I don't care about being called a pastor or anything like that. Um, it's just 
JD needed somebody, and I'm the online pastor, um, to kind of take over duties of, of the people that we have. Hi, by the way, online. Um, and anyone that needs anything online, just he can't be a full-time dad and a full-time you know, real estate agent and a full-time pastor and, and all that. Um, and so he asked me that, and I said, yeah. I mean, I didn't just say, yeah, I said I'd pray about it. I did pray about it. I had a lot of peace about it. Um, wouldn't have ever cared if anyone knew that, that I was, quote, unquote, ordained or a pastor or whatever. Don't care. Um, however, um, you know, I always felt like God had something specific for me, and I haven't found out all of what that is, you know. Um, but I never... And I always, I even like we were at uh, the East Coast Pastors Conference in Philadelphia, and, you know, people, one of the guys was talking about this, and, and we were together praying, and, and I told, I think, JC and Josh that I believe that I would be a pastor someday. And, um, again, this isn't me saying that, you know, I'm, I'm a great person, and I've got this church, or none of that. But, like, it kind of blindsided me that, oh, I am a pastor now, and I believe that God would do that. Um, again, I can't say it enough. Don't care about any title or anything like that. Trust me. But it kind of was like, oh, that thing that I thought would take place took place, and I didn't even really notice it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it kind of blindsided me. I was like, oh, you know, that thing that I thought God was going to do, he did, and I didn't even really notice it, you know? So, that being said, God's promises, if he's promised you something, you know, anything in your life that he said is going to take place, it's going to take place. Even if you don't even really notice it, notice that it's happened, you know? Um, I didn't want to say all that, but I thought I should. And we had so much trouble tonight with everything. Um, so anyway, take that for what it's worth, okay? Let's pray and we'll be done. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that it's not dependent upon the way that I present it or that anyone presents it as well, Lord, um, but by your spirit. And so tonight we pray that um, Exactly what you wanted to speak to us, Lord, um, was given to these people and to me. And just pray that we would live it out in our lives. There is nothing as this world seemingly turns darker and darker. Um, and who knows? Who knows where it will be? It changes day to day, um, good or bad. Um, there's anxiety and fear, and then there's some kind of a reprieve from it. It seems day to day. Not for us, Lord. Uh, we know exactly what's going to happen, how it's going to end, and more importantly, regardless of how my life ends, I know exactly what's going to happen after that, Lord, that I'm going to be with you. You're the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Jesus, and um, you've gone to prepare a place for us, and if you did that, you'll come again to get us, Lord. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for the promises that you've given us in our lives, big or small, um, things that we don't even realize have taken place, Lord. Um, but um, thank you for your encouragement, um, just that everything you say will come to pass as it's going to for Moses 
and the Israelites. And um, on the other side of things, for Pharaoh and the Egyptians that have set their face against you. Um, for the Israelites, it ends well. For the Egyptians, it does not end well. So we love you, Lord. Uh, we love your word. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a good night, everyone. If you need any prayer, let us know. Uh, we'd be happy to pray with you.